one of the things that I say is if you have highly motivated and engaged employees, they are the ones who are showing up to work every day ready to absolutely crush it. Those are the employees I want in front of my customers because that energy is infectious. That energy, it doesn't matter what you're talking to the customer about, they feel it. They feel the excitement, they feel the confidence, they want to follow that person. Good morning, HR. I'm Mike Coffey, and this is the podcast where I talk to business leaders about bringing people together to create value for shareholders, customers, and the community. Please follow, rate, and review Good Morning HR wherever you get your podcast. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or at goodmorninghr.com. The last three years have not only changed how we work, but they changed our expectations of the companies we buy from, both in our personal and professional purchases. The companies who monitor and keep up with these changing expectations seem much more likely to succeed than those who stick with, nah, this is the way we've always done it. Joining me today to discuss the marketplace's changing expectations and the concept of customer experience is Sarah Dignan. Sarah is Vice President of Customer Experience at the people analytics company ChartHop. She started her career as a structural engineer, but has spent the better part of the last 15 years in customer-facing leadership roles in the software industry. Welcome to Good Morning HR, Sarah. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm excited to be here today. This is a topic that I love. Uh, yeah, well, that's what you do, right? So I hope so. So this idea, though, of customer experience, it can come across as like a corporate buzzword uh, that either means customer service or sales. So let's start with just an overview of what ChartHop does and what your role as VP of customer experience really means. What does that term mean and how do y'all use it at ChartHop? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I get this question a lot. <laughs> I don't think it's fuzzy, but hopefully I can uh, I can convince everybody listening today that uh, customer experience is alive and well. And uh, I would argue one of uh, one of the most important, hopefully, um, aspects of of any good uh, software company. So. ChartHop, what do we do? We are a people analytics platform. Um, what does that actually mean? That means that we're able to take data from all different sources and bring it into one place. And when you're able to do that, you're able to visualize what is actually happening at your company. When you're able to do that, you're able to see things, drive insights, and more importantly, take action on those insights. I think that's what vis visualization really does. And um, it's something um, that is really important to me. If I can see it, um, I can do something about it. And that is something that we provide to our customers. And I think the last thing I always like to mention about ChartHop is we're not just for the HR team. We're not just for the executive team. We're not just for the managers. We are truly for every single person at the company can benefit and use ChartHop to make them more successful each and every day at their company. So that's just a little bit about ChartHop. So what do I do? Um, <laughs> I spend my days thinking about a customer journey. I know that's not the word customer experience, but I think a lot about customer journey. Mm -hmm. That customer journey starts the very first time we talk to a customer, the very first time they see an email from us, the very first time they see an ad from us, right? Very first moment is the start of our customer journey. And then after they get through um, new business, so after they sign a contract with us, that's when they come into customer experience. And that is truly when they're our customer. Um, and what that entails at ChartHop is there is an implementation process. So you'll work with the professional services team. 
Then you'll work with our customer success team. That will be the team that helps you drive the most value out of your product. And then if you ever have issues during the way, we have a technical support team. And then finally, we have an account management team that is there to help expand your product suite, help with renewals, and help with anything that has to do with commercial terms. So customer experience at ChartHop, that is the piece that I lead, and that is how we define customer experience at ChartHop. So you mentioned, you know, there's sales gets involved in marketing on the front end, and then we're onboarding, and then we've got the customer success team that's helping, you know, to really implement and make sure the, the clients are using the software to the best of their ability and, you know, get, you know, getting every, all their money out of it. And then when something doesn't go right, there's a customer uh, service type experience. So there's a lot of points for, for, for potential failure there. Absolutely. And, you know, and I own my company and, you know, and we're a background screening company and uh, we've got the same issue. There's, you know, we've got hundreds of suppliers who are providing data from all these different sources and my folks talk to them. My, my, sometimes my analysts have to call a client and ask a question. Sometimes a client's calling in with a question. Sometimes the applicant is calling us and, you know, we can screw that up and we've got an unhappy <laughs> applicant and now we've got an unhappy employer. So, all those failure points are alarming to me all the time. I mean, that's what I spend most of my time thinking about because I used to be on the other side of the HR desk and the guy buying the background checks. And so I, uh, so I, I think I understand that better what you what, what you do. But if we're going to look at that that customer journey through the entire process and, and what the experience looks like, what are the things that what are the milestones there or the the key elements that we need to pay attention to? Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 funny because I think uh, the professionals out there that that do what I do don't think about the failure points. They think about the magic moments. They think about how every single interaction with a customer is actually an opportunity to win that customer for life. And I think that's really what I spend my time thinking a lot about and how I define these these sort of magic moments. And that's what we talk a lot about at ChartHop is um, first magic moment is that very, very first kickoff call during onboarding. That is the moment where a customer comes to you, I would say with maximum anxiety, right? Because they they bought it and they're like, oh, I bought this. And now they're like, oh no, I have to implement it. And I think that's one of the most important moments. Like the first 10 minutes of that call is uh, for our teams at ChartHop to truly demonstrate we got you, you know, we're gonna get you through this process. I promise we're gonna get you through. So that's a magic moment, that kickoff you know, the confidence, we have it, we're gonna get you there. Um, we're excited to work with you, you know, thanks for being here. And, and that really instills so much trust and confidence in our customers. So that's magic moment one. Magic moment two is that transition to the customer success team. That can be very seamless and there is a handoff. And with handoffs, there always can be drop balls. How I like to think of handoffs though, is you're really saying this group of people who have an expertise in data and have an expertise in training and expertise on onboarding are now handing you off to the team that has an expertise in the next step of your journey with us. And I think if we can really, again, during that transition, really make the customer understand you are now in good hands. You are with a team that you need to be with, so to speak, right? And to really get you to that next milestone. So I think, you know, 
I will call it a magic moment number two is rolling out what we call a use case. So this is truly like the first time you do performance reviews with ChartHop or the first time you get the report that you've been trying to get and now it's in a dashboard, right? So your next magic moment is truly rolling out that first use case, right? And then finally, I think your, your last magic moment with us before a renewal. So it never stops. It keeps going. But I think it's really important when we have a business review, right? And we try to do those business reviews every six months, take a step back and say, what have we done together? What have we achieved together? What have we accomplished? And when you're able to do that, you're really teeing up that conversation for what's next. Let's continue to grow together. Let's continue to partner together. And that really leads into that renewal conversation. Um, and it makes it very simple because at that point, it's not about money. It's not about commercial terms. It's about what are we going to do together in the next 12 months? And that is an exciting moment. So your VP of customer experience, does that mean that that onboarding team and that customer support team, are they all under you or, or are you guiding the, uh, just guiding it as a third party, more like HR would? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, at ChartHop, I, I own from, from the uh, professional services all the way through to the renewal. So all four of those teams report up to me. I think that's really important. I think that that is actually a critical piece of how you structure a customer experience um, organization because you don't want all the all the different uh, different silos, almost, right? Yeah, exactly. The different yeah. silos trying to figure themselves out. I think it's important to have one person really thinking through all of those moments, right? Thinking through truly that customer experience because the first words that you say in implementation need to be the same words that that account management is saying during the renewal, right? Don't confuse the customer, use the same words. And I think having one person look over that whole aspect, I'm able to sort of monitor that. Um, the last piece that I'll say that's really important to having one person look over all of it is I'm able to, I sit on the executive team. And so I am truly the voice of the customer at the table. And I think that that is super critical that I am able to talk directly to the executive team, directly to the CEO, who's my boss. And I think that creates a customer centric organization. So that focus on being customer centric and you, you're having all these, the, along the process, you're hearing from, you know, all your clients at different places in their journey. How does that tie into product development? How do you identify, you know, I mean, cause I'm sure you're hearing from, I know my software vendor uh, hears from me a lot and they've got a lot of customized things that are built in their system. Other people use, other companies have available, but they know them as coffees because I'm the, the I'm that demanding client who makes their product better, but I'm constantly saying, this doesn't make sense or this is what we need. So how does that information get to product development and, and their priorities? Yeah, that's an excellent, excellent question. And I think um, it does start with the fact that the head of product and myself both sit on the executive team. So again, we sort of are both at the table making those decisions. I think from a more tactical level, one of the things that I tell the individuals on the customer experience team is we can't tell product like every knit and that, right? We can't know, oh, this customer said this. Oh, this customer said this. Don't forget this. Don't forget this. Our job is to come up with themes and that's not to sugarcoat anything. It's not to sort of like um, um, dilute customer voice, but it's more to make sure if we are putting good themes together together and if those themes are truly representing what our customers are asking for, that is a lot easier conversation to then go and talk to our product team and say, OK, I know your roadmap looks like this 
from a vision perspective and from a strategy perspective and sort of like, where do we need to get to as a company and as a product? Then what I need to do is come to the table and say, I need you to also infuse these customer pain points and these customer themes. And so that is how we think about our feedback loop. And we do it on a quarterly basis. To be honest, we do it on a weekly basis. Justin, our head of product and I talk every single week. So in a lot of ways, we do it weekly. Um, the formal roadmap process is quarterly. So that's where we really think about it. But it is, um, it is so critical and it's hard. I, I, I will tell you, I think every single day, I think about how we can do better providing product with the information. That's interesting because you started as a structural engineer, which is like hard science, like numbers and protractors and things like that. All the, you know, all the things I ran away from. And I've got a mechanical engineer son, but, uh, and I don't, know where I guess our milkman had that that aptitude but um but that's like hard science and this customer experience stuff sounds like it's the softer side of Sears and you know it's more amorphous and um more of an art than a science maybe so how do you find that engineering background makes a difference in in how you approach customer experience yeah it it does I, I truly truly um I truly love my background. Uh, there's probably a lot of folks out there that are like, oh, I wish I just, you know, was a business major in college and just sort of skipped that part of my life. I don't. I, I love the fact that I was a practicing structural engineer for almost six years um, because that gave me the opportunity to see what I really loved was the balance of technical and people and business decisions and the bigger picture. That was really my launching off point for, oh, wow. You know, I, I do like being at my desk and like thinking through problems and solving things with science, but I also love working with people and sort of elevating the science to a place where people understand and I can pull all these pieces and all this data together and sort of push the team forward. And that is, that is the career that I'm in today in a lot of ways. And I am someone who truly believes when you look at customer health, you said it first, it is an art and a science, but it is truly a balance. I don't think you can just look at the art. I don't think you can just say, you know, I just had such a fantastic conversation with my customer. We talked about her trip to Hawaii. She has kids. I mean, we are absolutely best friends. And then a week later, you get a churn notification. It's like, okay, why did they churn? Well, they churned because your champion, who I I think does probably like you a lot and, and does want to share with you about her trip to Hawaii, the problem is she was the only one in the platform. It was siloed. She was the only one. And maybe she left and went to another company, right? And so you need to have that science that's saying to you, all right, customer is green, right? Like that she is very happy. She loves the product. She's in the product. She's a master of the product. But let me tell you all the areas where you're red. You're red because no one else is using the product. You're red because you never did a performance review there. You know, you're red because they filed 10 support tickets last week, right? So that's the science that really comes into it. And I think um, truly that is what I love about my job. I love the hard science and I love that you match it up with the personal interaction. And together that blend is actually what's telling you what's happening with the customer. And let's take a quick break. Good Morning HR is brought to you by Imperative. Premium background checks with fast and friendly service, 
24 years ago, I found it imperative to help risk-averse companies make well-informed decisions about the people they involve in their business. Often that involves giving employers thorough and easy-to-understand background checks on prospective employees. But sometimes it means helping families make well-informed decisions when hiring nannies or other caregivers. And outside of the employment context, we help services firms with their client acceptance and know-your-customer requirements. And we help investors research the principles and firms in which they are considering making private equity placements. Basically, if people are involved, there's risk involved. We help companies identify and mitigate that risk. You can learn more about Imperative at imperativeinfo.com. If you're a SHRM certified professional, this episode of Good Morning HR has been pre-approved for one half of a professional development credit. And if you're an HRCI certified professional, this episode has been pre-approved for half an hour of business credit. To obtain the recertification information, visit goodmorninghr.com and click on Research Credits. Then select Episode 90 and enter the keyword Experience. That's E-X-P-E-R-I-E-N-C-E. And now back to my conversation with Sarah Dignan. So much, y'all are software as a service, and so much of that field has become focused on largely commoditizing software. And how do you work in, you know, because I'm, you know, clearly I'm very high touch with with the company that we work with, but um, how do you work in, how do you give somebody that personalized experience especially when the pressure is to commoditize this. I mean, we want as few people touching this. We want as few interactions <laughs> as possible. You know, we want those damn chat bots to answer all the questions. <laughs> how do you, how do you balance those two things? As the engineer who actually likes people. Okay. That's the other <laughs> thing. You know, it's, it's, it's a unique skill set. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's honestly, it is, I, you know, I, I will say you're, you're hitting on the exact right question. And uh, one of the things that we think about is segmentation. And I think you can segment customers in a couple different ways. One, you can just look at it and say, okay, here are large customers, here are me you know, medium-sized customers, here are small customers, right? And so what you're basically doing is segmenting based on, okay, how much are they paying us? I think that's an okay way to do it. And that's an okay way to sort of put it out on the table. But I think how, how segmentation, and this is gonna tie back a couple things that we talked about, how segmentation, I believe is done more effectively is when you can tie those price points into the product. So what I mean by that is how do you create a product package, basically something that you're selling? How do you create a package that is more low touch, right? And that is where you start to drive some of your smaller customers. Like, hey, this is more, um, more workflow oriented, right? You do A, B, C, and you get D out the end, right? And then as you move up the scale and you have enterprise customers and you have customers paying you significantly more, at that point, you're more configurable, you're more hands-on. And so I think there's a way to think about how often you need to interact with the customer and sort of touch a customer based on the type of packaging that you're selling them, based on the size of the customer, and based on, on what they're trying to do, right? Um, so those are things that I think a lot about, and that's that product feedback loop, like making sure that I'm on the same page with product about, hey, if we want these, um, these smaller customers to have a great experience but not have so much hand-holding, these are the things that need to happen in the product, right? Or this is what needs to happen in the health center. We need to make more videos, right? And so really thinking through how to tie 
both the touch with the product, I think is really important. And then finally, the last thing that I will say is if we're doing a good job training our customers, truly, if we are really training them and they really feel confident, um, I would hope that we're not interacting with them on a daily basis. I would hope that we are setting them up for success because I think that is a trend that we're all seeing right now is not every customer wants to work with a CSM. I truly have customers call me and say, Sarah, I don't, I don't want to talk to this person anymore. <laughs> you know, Sherry is great, but can I, I just want to figure it out myself. Like, can I just read an article or watch a video? And I think that that's something that we need to think a lot about as well is that it's not, you know, augmenting your service model to be cheaper. That's what we're saying, right? Doesn't necessarily mean an AI bot or a chat bot. It doesn't mean those things. It could also just mean a better help center, could mean more videos. It could mean a lot of different things. And so I think it's thinking about the whole picture and not just necessarily, okay, I need to figure out how to service these, you know, 400 customers with two people. I think it's a little bit, a little bit more nuanced than that. Well, and, you know, we, we kind of specialize on real high touch, risk averse, small to medium sized employers. Often the ones who don't get the customer service that they want and the handholding that they want and need from, you know, the larger players in the industry. And quite honestly, the larger players, my competition doesn't want our, our clients and I really don't want theirs because, you know, they're, <laughs> they're commodity based. But we found that the, even our smallest clients can be our best referral sources. And 90% and of our business comes from referrals, you know, from trusted advisors or current clients. And so you know, we bend over backwards to treat even that smallest client like we do our largest. And so that they get what they need. And, and hopefully if we do it right, like you said, our goal is that they'll never have to call us, but if they do, we pick up the phone and, and, and do everything we can right away to fix, to fix their issue. And so I think that seg understanding, you know, for our segments, it's really probably more knowing that certain kinds of clients uh, are going to need more handholding and just planning that on the front end. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the um, one of the things that I love about our support model is that the very first email that you get from us. So if you submit a support ticket, you get an auto response. This is very typical. You know, like, hey, you're in the queue. This is your ticket number. All of those things. And what we say on the email is um, uh, something to the effect of. Yes, this is an automated response, 100% coming from a computer, but don't worry, a human is going to read this and interact with you very shortly. And I think that's something that um, people really respect. You know, it's, it's, um, it's both transparency, like <laughs> you're right, this is an auto reply, <laughs> absolutely an auto reply, but someone's gonna talk to you, I promise, someone's gonna talk to you. And I think that transparency and that level of, you know, hey, we're gonna call you back, we're gonna hop on a Zoom, is really important, especially for your point to the, to the smaller customers. So I'm guessing just like, you know, my expectations and, and the whole workforce expectation that customer expectations have really changed a lot since 2020. So, um, you know, we never dreamed we'd all be working remote that and that we would be having our business meetings over Zoom and on a daily basis. Um, how have customer expectations changed? What are the big things that you've seen? I mean, your software is a service, but I know you're a thought leader in that whole area. So what are you seeing from, from customers? How, how, as you know, as end users, what are the expectations now? Yeah, that's a great question. I'll answer it. Um, I'll answer it twofold if that's okay. So the first is on the, um, 
you know, the service that we're providing. So, so the customer experience team, um, I mentioned it um, a little bit of a little bit ago, but I think because people are now working, I hate to say it, it's not so much around the clock, but people are working way more flexible hours mm -hmm. that um, they want on-demand help. And the on-demand help doesn't have to be a 24-7 support person. Again, it's like really robust help center, really robust videos, learning and development. They want to be, for example, like the head of HR wants to be setting up a performance review to go out in two weeks and it's 10 o'clock at night. Maybe they just put their kids to bed, right? Sometimes that's when I do my best work and they just want to get it done, right? They want to check the box. And if they're not able to find the answer to their question, that's the unhappy customer that I talk to in the morning who says to me, Sarah, I just want the help center to help me figure out how to do these basic things. So I think that's where we've seen a different perspective from our customers. Customers that used to be perfectly happy, sort of working nine to five with us, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. are now demanding help. And I think help can come in a lot of different ways, sort of at 10 p.m. at night, right? So that's, I think, what customers are asking us for. I think what HR professionals are asking us for as a product is to engage employees. And I think, um, again, I'm not an HR professional, so I hope I'm not speaking too much out of turn, but engaged employees are happy employees and employees that are gonna stay at your company. And so that is really what I'm seeing from HR professionals coming to us at ChartHop and saying, we need to solve a problem and we're looking to you to help solve that problem. And that is we need to engage our employees we, are, we need our employees to understand where they are in the organization, understand the goals of the organization. And employees right now are demanding clear communication and transparency. And those are the things that we can provide. So as much as I am not an HR professional, this is what I'm hearing from our, from our customers. And that's a recurrent theme on this podcast and at every conference I speak at and everything is that um, that transparency, that, that, that constant communication, but one area that I think a lot of employers aren't doing as well, and you talked about it, if you know, if we're going to take that that CX model and move it over to the employee experience side, is is that those kind of omni-channel type resources, and you know, you can get in, you know, right now in many organizations, you can read through a, a sixty-page benefits package, or you can make an appointment with HR, and those are your two choices. Uh, where you know, if you really had videos and bite-sized things to understand, you know, this is my specific question, why I'd have to read 60 pages. And I think that's one area that uh, a lot of HR folks could invest some time up front to create well and save them a lot of time down the road. But let's go back to the customer service side or the customer experience side. How do you measure that? Uh, okay. Do, I mean, is there a magic number out there, you know, <laughs> like, you know, my engagement and my employee engagement score, or is there is it is it unique to each organization? How do you how do you just, if I if I'm going to improve it, I need to measure it, know what my baselines are, and, and track it. So, what does that look like? Yeah, I I totally agree, and it's it's the math in me, it's the it's the structural engineer in me. Is that if you can't put an actual number on it, it's very hard to track. Um, right. And I think the other thing that I think a lot about is I always want to make sure when we're defining metrics to be looking at, that those metrics um, 
the metrics push an action, if that makes sense, right? I don't want a metric that doesn't tell me what to do, right? I need to know what to do if that metric is fine. How do I fix this? If that's exactly. Good. It has to be actionable, right? And so what we look at is a health score. That's what we look at for our customers and the things that are important to us. And this is company specific. Every company is a little bit different. Every product is a little bit different. But typically what um, any company that I would join, there's the art. How is that customer feeling? right? So that's one piece of it, one component of it. Usually do a red, yellow, green sort of assign, you know, just a traffic light, really easy. And then um, at ChartHop, what we think about are uh, usage. How many people are in the platform? Um, how many people are in there every day? Because again, the unique piece of ChartHop is that it's for every single person at the company. It's not just for the HR person or the executive team. And so we're really looking at how many people are logging into ChartHop a day. So that's one metric that we look at for our customers. Another metric that I'm always looking at is support tickets. Even if a customer seems really happy, if there's a paper cut effect happening, if every single day they're putting in a support ticket, we got a problem. <laughs> we need to go talk to that customer. Even if everything else is good, we need to go talk to that customer. And then the last thing is we have a concept at ChartHop, and I'm sure a lot of um, folks have this as well, where we assign risk flags. And we have those risk flags, those risk flags, again, are actionable items. So a risk flag could be customer is unhappy with their data and they don't think it's correct, right? That is actionable. Okay, what do we need to go now do to clean up their data or help them with their data? And so those are the things that we look at. Those are sort of the quantitative things that we look at with the traffic light of what we call um, customer sentiment. And if we're tracking those things on a weekly basis, we're able to see trends go up and down. We're able to get in front of risks early. I would say early and often, early and often. I want to hear all the risks. I don't, I, I like, I don't care how many I get. I want them to be actionable and I want to get in front of them and I want to, you know, try to, try to help that customer. We talked about AI a little bit or chatbots and how much I don't like them, but everybody's talking about artificial intelligence now, right? And I mean, you know, chat GBT is the big deal right now. And, uh, and I, you know, I have, you know, one of the first paid subscriptions to chat GPT. I mean, I actually pay for it. Uh, and it's, it's proven helpful, but, um, what role does AI have in a good customer experience process? And where do you think, I mean, where it is today versus what do you think the AI input in a customer experience is going to look like, you know, down the road? Yeah, this is, this is relevant. <laughs> Top I'm of sure. Mind. Yeah. I don't know anybody who's not getting barraged by their leadership, figure out a way to use this. And sometimes it's just using it for the sake of using it. But I think this time there's, there may be something to it. Yeah, I think it's um, a little bit what we talked about, uh, um, you know, just tying little bits and pieces of what we talked about today. So if you want to talk about, you know, how do you service customers, you know, in a more economic way, right? So if you're able to have more AI for your product functionalities and features that are more set and forget, so to speak, right? Like more rigid in the set, right? You don't need a human to help with those things. So I think where AI can be really helpful, again, is in, in certain aspects of your product that are pretty simple, right? And pretty, you do A, B, C, and you get D. I think the other place where AI is super helpful is that customer at 10 p.m. at night that just sort of wants some help and wants to try to figure out how to do something on their own. I do think it's helpful in that case, right? Because like everybody's asleep, right? <laughs> they don't have any money. 
somebody to talk to. So maybe they'll talk to the bot and maybe the bot will tell you the answer. But but truly, right, if you're will if you're working at 10 o'clock at night and you need an answer, you know, you're you're gonna try the chat bot, you're gonna try any sort of AI and and hopefully that will help. So I think there's ways of weaving it in when it comes to just answering basic questions for our customers. And I think you can provide that in a way where they don't feel like it's a decline in customer service because it's an increase in speed, if that makes sense. Like, oh, I got my answer like this, right? And so I think that's really important. I think the other way that AI bot can be really interesting, and this is something that I'm actually very, very excited about and something I think a lot about is themes. We talked about themes, but I want to know every single support ticket that we get, and I guess this is a little bit support heavy, but every single support ticket I get, um, I want to know the themes. What are the themes? And I feel like that's where AI can really help internally. Not so much, that doesn't, well, indirectly it helps your customer, but what it really helps is, hey, Sarah, last week we got 50 support tickets and 30 of them were on this specific thing. Okay, I need to go figure out what we need to do about that thing so that I don't get 30 support tickets next week. And so I think that is actually, for me, super interesting to figure out how to unleash that more when it comes to themes. Interesting. Well, we're running low on time, but you know, this is the podcast where I talk to business leaders about bringing people together to create value for shareholders and customers and the community. So I don't want to not ask with all your customer experience background, if there was, if there's a main takeaway that people leaders, whether they're HR or executives who are leading people or just frontline uh, folks should take away from the customer experience conversation around people leadership, you know, the whole process of selecting, you know, onboarding, motivating, incentivizing employees. What would you say that is? What What would you like a people leader to walk away from uh, that they could apply as a first step? One of the things that I think a lot about are my employees, right? When you're in a customer experience role, typically you have a large team, right? It's it's a lot of, at that point, humans that that need to interact with your customers. And so I have always, I feel like, thought about customer experience and employee experience as as interchangeable. And one of the things that I say is if you have highly motivated and engaged employees, they are the ones who are showing up to work every day ready to absolutely crush it. Those are the employees I want in front of my customers because that energy is infectious. That energy, it doesn't matter what you're talking to the customer about, they feel it. They feel the excitement, they feel the confidence, they wanna follow that person. And I think that's really my, that's really my advice to people leaders out there is stealing and borrowing from all of the work that's been done in the customer experience world. Think about all the CS tools that we have today. We didn't have them 15 years ago, right? There's been so much investment in what I call the magic moments and thinking through all these magic moments for your customer you can use every single piece of that for how to engage and motivate and make your customers and make your employees be your customers internally, right? If you can think about those magic moments, right? I talked about your kickoff call being your first magic moment. That's your first day at work. How do you get those new employee employees just pumped 
to be there, excited to be there, right? That's that moment. And I think if people leaders out there can just do a little bit of, you know, looking at the customer journey and the customer experience, I think they'll see a lot of overlap, right? You have your onboarding, you have your adoption, which is really professional development. And the biggest thing are, we call it a health score. That to me is your retention score for your employees, right? Is that person at risk? of leaving? And if they are, what are you going to do to keep them? And how are you going to identify that risk early and often? So there's a lot of overlap, which is exciting for me, because it's something that I think a lot about because I happen to have a team that's usually pretty big. And so keeping those employees here and keeping them excited to be at work every day is really great. Hey, that's that's a perfect close. Hey, thank you so much, Sarah, for being uh, on the podcast. Thank you. This was great. This was fun. Thank you. And thank you for listening. You can comment on this episode or search previous episodes at goodmorninghr.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. And don't forget to follow us wherever you get your podcast. Rob Upchurch is our technical producer, and you can reach him at robmakespods.com. And thank you to Imperative's marketing coordinator, Mary Ann Hernandez, who keeps the trains running on time. And I'm Mike Coffey. As always, don't hesitate to reach out if I can be of service to you personally or professionally. I'll see you next week. And until then, be well, do good, keep your chin up.